Uh, welcome back to a brand new episode of Two Please. I'm your host Abhin, and I'm your co-host Rohit. And uh, in today's episode, uh, we want to talk about something that you know when you really enjoy a cinematic experience, a theater-going experience, or even generally a movie-watching experience. One of the things that one of the things that really contributes to your enjoyment of it, but something that probably does not get its share of time in the sun, is the soundtrack. uh you know while mm-hmm. you're watching the movie you're enjoying the dialogue and the acting you don't realize in the soundtrack really elevates the mood elevates the scene and uh, today we're going to talk about that so when we were discussing possible topics for the next episode i remember i think i said let's do one on soundtracks and both of us were like yeah amazing great idea and we didn't discuss it at all after that until like <laughs> the day before we had to record of then course. i sent my list to abin and uh, that's when we realized oh we had very different interpretations of uh, what a soundtrack meant uh, what yes. were our interpretations abin uh, my interpretation was purely originally composed music like scores specifically scores that's kind of what i was going for but i believe uh, your interpretation of it was slightly more different i think you were going for specific pieces standalone pieces yes. while i was like i'm i'm going to look at the entire score list so to speak uh okay. together the other thing mm-hmm. i sort of wanted to make sure i don't include in this list uh, which i will however include in my honorable mentions are mm-hmm. uh, i'm looking at original compositions for the movie soundtrack uh, okay. not a collection of uh, you know pre-existing music pieces out there as part of the movie's background score or whatever because so uh, i mean so not so no needle drops exactly exactly yeah those are just my honorable mentions because you know that caveat aside there are a few movies which have great compilations on that sense so mm-hmm. i'll give them that but then i really want to talk about original compositions for the movie so mine are more like i'm going to talk about movies and abin is going to talk about specific pieces in certain movies let's put it movies, that way yeah yeah that's possible so just so you guys are in, yeah yeah <laughs> also we have a long list so we're going to be quick about it i am have a list of honorable mentions you say yes the last okay, time so let me quickly honorable mentions it went on for an entire episode i hope that's not the case i promise i'll be on. i'll be good this time uh let me quickly run run them off one by one like i mentioned these are movies with great soundtracks although not necessarily original compositions the first one that i want to talk about is 2008's 500 days of summer a movie that okay. abhin and i have mentioned again and again i think ad nauseum at this point So I'm yes. not going to get into the movie by now. I'm sure even if you haven't watched it, inferring from our conversations, you know what it's about. But it's got a great mm-hmm. soundtrack. It's got a lot of '80s, '70s, like folk rock, pop. It's got Smiths. It's got uh, Bon Iver, if I'm not mistaken. You know that mm-hmm. sort of mood, and it's a very nice, easy listen. Uh, I think I personally was introduced to a lot of artists for the first time because of this yeah. movie as well. 
and this is one of those cases where the soundtrack very much adds a lot to the movie watching experience for sure i believe this is my introduction to regina specter actually no that's a lie uh prince caspian chronicles of narnia this is a song is the original song soundtrack for that film is also it's called i believe it's called the feeling uh and it's written by regina specter and then i watched 500 days of summer after this and it opens with the regina specter track there is another regina specter track that plays very prominently in the expectations versus reality yes. bit so a lot of uh regina specter it introduced me to the smiths as well um yes, i was yeah i paid a lot more attention i never knew who morrissey was and then i researched him and found out oh he was this really insane um talent and then he just became a tory somewhere in the mid 2000s so it's kind of sad what a fall from grace <laughs> uh but it is the smiths discography is wonderful um, further punctuated by um uh, another appearance on on another film i really enjoyed which is perks of being a wallflower there's a great track on there but if i were to trace back uh, to the point where i was first introduced to the band i started listening to the music actively it's definitely this film this has a lot of um, even the, the final track she's got you high i think it's by mamra mamra or something yeah yeah it, it's it's been stuck in my head for years i love yeah. fantasy summer i it is probably one of my favorite romcoms of all time and the music plays a huge part in in making absolutely it so. so that was the first one quickly moving on to the second uh-huh. one i want to talk about uh, spend a hot second on uh, 2011's nicholas winding refn film drive starring yes. ryan gosling and uh, carrie mulligan yes, ryan kingston uh, oscar isaac Yes, a uh, talented yeah. cast, very moody film, very mm-hmm. uh how do you say the visual style is very much Winding Refn's own uh mm-hmm. characteristic uh not everyone's cup of tea the movie per se but the soundtrack is like 80s synthwave porn i would say it's just uh there's uh there's Kevinsky of course there's also uh i think Kevinsky has two three tracks there there is mm-hmm. uh what's the other band laserhawk i think is also there on the soundtrack somewhere mm-hmm. with all of that you know between drive and uh, hotline miami the computer game which was very much influenced by drive uh, mm-hmm. you know all of your 80 synthwave needs are very much met great you know banging pumping soundtrack which mm-hmm. i don't know if it elevates the movie experience for drive as much but really enhances the mood that winning refn is going for definitely uh now drive is one of my favorite films to come out in the last 11 odd years or so uh you mentioned kevinsky kevinsky's night call plays a very prominent part in the film and yes. it was how i was introduced to him but before before kevinsky i would also like to hat tip um the chromatics it's a tick of the clock is is what the opening um the, yeah, the opening the first shot, scene of the, the opening movie. and it really heightens the tension of that scene as Ryan Gosling's character is excellent basically sent out on an assignment and even as a standalone track if you were to listen to tick of the clock it really heightens your driving experience especially when yeah. you're driving late at night very much uh, kevinsky as well like tick of the clock as this weird this tension that that doesn't really exist but it really puts you in this mood and It it's almost metronomic so you can do things to the yeah. rhythm it's 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 amazing 
so it that's is, right it is a, yeah it's a great great track yeah the last one quickly i want to talk about again here the music is not incidental to the movie at all in fact i would say it is one of the characters of the film uh, i'm talking mm-hmm. about 2014 uh, guardians of the galaxy very much 70s 80s pop rock hits of the time uh very very recognizable songs mm-hmm. so uh, this is not the soundtrack uh, this is not the soundtrack where you will probably discover new artists these are people songs that were already famous but it's nice to revisit it in this newer context and like i said i think the movie is very much a, a, almost a character in the film and very very much mm-hmm. a part of uh, star lord or or quinn's uh, char- a part of his character or what defines him as a, yeah. as a character him walking around with his with the walkman and awesome mix volume 1 uh, i'm a big fan of both soundtracks i'm i really like james gunn's taste in music true, it opens true. with i mean uh, coming like get the movies were one entry yeah yeah come and get your love i think hooked on a feeling is a like, plays another prominent part in this film so there is there is so many great pieces in there i think the climax also centered around um a song right when starlord is when peter quill is challenges rolling to a dance off um, halfway through correct I, I, yeah but i don't remember the the song though but yeah i mean mm-hmm. pivotal moments are very much punctuated with very apt songs throughout both films yeah great great um the great soundtrack i absolutely adore guardians of the galaxy um, galaxy's music i know a lot of people don't like the movie because it feels like the humor is forced and this was a turning point for many people when it came to marvel but i am a big a big fan of the film at least the first one so those are my honorable mentions abin do you want to kick mm-hmm. off our list list uh, actually you know what i'll let you take uh, center stage on this one i'll jump in uh, as you as we alternate okay cool <laughs> uh, so i want to talk about uh, the first movie i want to talk about where the soundtrack really blew me away in fact i would mm-hmm. make the case that while the movie isn't necessarily bad but its soundtrack is far and away the best thing about it i'm talking about mm. 2010s tron legacy starring garrett hedlund that is garrett hedlund yeah. right yes garrett hedlund uh, jeff bridges olivia wilde jeff bridges uh and jeff bridges uh, and uh, <laughs> michael sheen in a very small cameo and it also the music is by daft punk and in mm. fact they also again have a very small cameo in the in the movie as well the soundtrack is just how do i put it it's it's is it's futuristic but it's 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 like techno pop at its at its it at its finest yeah it's just daft punk came and like they brought the goods it's mm. like you know what we don't know how the like, and you know all said and done while the story has its share of necessary criticisms to uh, for us to make visually and in terms of music the movie just knocks it out of the park I think uh, this film precedes Random Access Memories, right? In terms of like its release, it does. Because it this does, came out twenty ten, and Random Access Memories is somewhere just a few years after that. Twenty. So very much, yeah, very much catching uh, the the renaissance of Daft Punk or like their reintroduction uh, into that into that second phase. So I I've no off the soundtrack. Uh, I I think Daft Punk were also featured, rather they they were sampled on. on Kanye West's graduation album so it's a movie i have not seen i know of i haven't seen the first tron either but i know the soundtrack 
uh, was you can give it a miss it's yeah. i mean you're not really missing out on much but the soundtrack is mm. absolute must listen if you're a fan of daft punkish music yeah. okay uh okay i'm going to step in with with my yes. entries i'm going to like put three of them in in one shot let rather just like get the pixar fire. films out the way yeah no just oh, get okay. the pixar movies out the way because mm-hmm. it's it's going to appear on the list let's we might as well discuss uh pixar's entry okay so let's start off with in the year 1999 so there's this toy story which in itself is a great soundtrack but of course the, its lasting contribution uh, to the world is Randy Newman's you've got a friend in me which mm-hmm. is a song you can sing to your child to your um friends as grown adults it has this wonderful ch- childlike quality to it but still resonates so well with such a wide audience i absolutely adore it and it's a very simple simple song very um plain in its message an absolutely wonderful track now he followed that up with toy story 2 which is another which in my opinion is the best of the franchise uh, there are some mm-hmm. arguments that that say 3 is better i personally think 2 is where it's at and 2 is introduces the character of jessie uh, which is as a companion piece for woody and she has a song called when she love me written by randy newman and it's sung by sarah mclachlan the single most heartbreaking song to have ever existed in the history of the world it will r- reduce a grown man to tears no hyperbole at all <laughs> no hyperbole at all i am said grown man every time i listen to that song it absolutely destroys my soul it's such a painful song and it's a song about a toy like losing her relationship with uh, her owner right which we don't really process as as children but now as you watch toy story you're just like wow i am i the asshole but also holds true for so many of your relationships i mean toy um, story putting holder mentality man like never throw away your toys <laughs> yeah yeah poor toy wonder what happened to all my batman dude there were so many of them they almost think oh, i'm yeah, like a yeah. kid uh, <laughs> so not just like uh, you know to to um, explain the relationship between a, a toy and its owner but also in terms of relationships between partners and it holds true for so many people <laughs> what do you mean you don't throw your girlfriend in the garbage every now and then <laughs> no 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 i mean there's nothing in <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> uh, there's nothing in the song that mentions throwing a girlfriend into the garbage wow rohit thanks for taking a really nice pointed moment and shitting on it <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> it's fine but it's uh, <laughs> god there goes that song anyway <laughs> it's like it's a it's a song that grows with you much like you've got a friend with me but you know mm-hmm. in a sad heartbreaking way uh and one of the best songs ever written it was nominated for the oscars but lost out to you'll be in my heart by phil collins another great song for a for a disney film but uh, i don't really have the kind of love for it that i do for these two pieces uh the last uh piece i want to talk about in the pixar film and i think you've probably seen this coming because it's on every list ever possibly created no no i just wanted to before you go on to the next uh-huh. entry i just wanted to share something with you which i don't think i've ever told you before i have not watched okay. any of the toy story movies oh, wow okay <laughs> we're holiday you know i think now is a good time to sit and watch all the three toy story films yeah i should i, I, I yeah. should and i have no excuse 
Yeah, no, they're, they're the, probably the best Pixar film, but I don't know. That's, again, a subjective uh, debate. But yes. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yes, we've got to move on. Moving on. Uh, I must include this and because you're probably already expecting it. It's on every list ever imagined. Uh, I think the movie that it that it's in kind of really falls after this particular piece in the film. That's like it's unfair an, to say. It's... <laughs> I just it's a great movie. It's just a, yeah. It's just the opening is all it's like goat level. It's like saying, you know what, uh Neymar is shit because Messi is in the same team. Yeah, I mean that's another debate. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh see it's I it's not the movie's fault. It's just that Michael Giacchino cooked up this this little piece of of music that is so timeless and so heartbreaking and Pixar just took it and ran with it and created a whole life in four minutes uh, that is heartwarming, hilarious and utterly heartbreaking, just like what life is, right? And it it really encapsulates life in what, a four-minute audio piece? It's called Married Life. You haven't mentioned the movie yet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to, I was getting that. (laughs) Married Life (laughs) from the movie Up. I'm sure you know what sequence I'm talking about. I'm sure everybody yeah. listening to this knows what the sequence I'm talking about. It uh, man, it really stays with you, and it's mm-hmm. and and that's what great storytelling is. There's not a single line of dialogue spoken in those four minutes. The music tells the whole story, and for me, it's up there with some of the best compositions ever written. It's very much arguable that it's probably the best montage of all time, and it's. Nothing against the rest of the movie, but it's really hard not to hold it against or not to hold it to that stand at impossibly high standard. Mm. And I I do agree with you that the rest of the movie feels like a bit of a letdown, but it is not. It's a great movie. It's just that the montage is, oof, nothing like it out there. To whatever little cinema I've watched, there's there's one montage at the end of our other favorite film. Yeah, uh, cinema parody, sir. Yes, I would say that's the mm-hmm. only one that I can think of which is comparable, but I would maybe rate Up's montage slightly higher, although it pains my heart to do that. Okay, so that was, that was our uh, Pixar trifecta. Um, yes. Quickly, I want to do, do a double header here. Uh, mm-hmm. Same director, same composer for both these movies, so the double header makes sense. So this is mm-hmm. 2000's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and 2013's Inside Llewyn Davis. Mm. Both Coen Brothers films, both the music scored by T-Bone Burnett. Mm. Uh, the first one for me is is one of my favorite soundtracks. It is, it's just this Southern American bluegrass country sort of feel that the entire soundtrack has. It's set in, I think, like early 50s, late 40s type. It's, it's, mm. it's an olden, it's, it's a, you know, it's an mm. earlier time. Uh, maybe slightly more racially dicey time uh, that, mm-hmm. that also plays a part in the movie and uh, country music is really big in the south There's the music is a part of the plot as well uh, for those of mm-hmm. you who've seen the movie it, it plays a big part in the redemption and the, you know the eventual happy ending for our, our lead characters that said and for I those mean, of you who haven't seen the film just describe the plot so it's about three guys who are criminals in a chain gang. They break away one day and uh, the three other trio is led by George Clooney's character. 
and mm. uh, he wants to go back to his wife because the the motivation for him to have broken out of the chain gang was he had heard rumors that his wife is planning to marry somebody else mm. and uh, again i'm i'm trying to recall i'm recalling this from memory i might be hazy on some of the details but that's broadly what mm. i remember and the rest of the movie is them trying to sort of uh make their way back to his wife the movie mm. is uh, an adaptation of the odyssey in fact yeah uh, mm. george clooney's character is odysseus trying to get back to his mm. wife back to his home mm. and uh, music is just it's it's super moody it's super you know unique to the film i don't think there has i have come across any film with such a distinctively you know regionally specific kind of soundtrack it's that kentucky uh alabama georgia sort of bluegrass or uh, i wouldn't even say delta blues delta blues has a has a stillness and a slowness to it it's it's that rapid bluegrass you know quick banjo and uh, hmm. expressive vocals kind of music uh, especially the the i wouldn't i don't know if it's a title song but the most prominent song uh, man of constant sorrow really love this mm. yes yeah what a There's song another song towards the end called o death again i think mm. that is sung also by tbone burnett i'm not sure mm. beautiful mm. song uh i'll fly away by the kasoy sisters there's just so much each of those in, i i like i've downloaded the soundtrack and just listened to the whole list over and over so many times i think i had an entire phase that was triggered by the movie so mm. that's o brother where are thou have you watched it heard it i have not finished it i have started it uh, i am aware of it, the music in it uh, a man of constant sorrow is a song that i frequently listen to i am big on on southern blues and folk so which is why i will talk more about it in our next in the next song you're about to bring up because yeah. this is uh... Uh, this movie you're about to bring up and i know a lot of people have there is favorite coen brothers films this is my favorite coen brothers film uh it's not a perfect film but the impact it has had film. on me it is it tells us so inside lewin davis is the movie that lewis is talking right. about and it tells the story of a folk folk musician in 1960s new york trying to survive uh i think it's kind of supposedly based on this on the story of of dave van wonk uh, mm-hmm. a popular folk musician at the time but not really and you have a character called Lewin Davis who is basically performing in in small uh, venues in 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 New York's McDougal Street and he keeps running around looking for gigs trying to sign an album he was part of a a two piece um um like a two person band and then he ended up quitting after something happened to uh, his his partner and pursuing the solo act life uh and and then so it's it's almost like a a couple of days of his life uh, of the struggles he has to go through and it just i remember watching this film and i watched it with a friend and we both walked out of it thinking holy fuck it's it's hard work being a creative uh, artist mm. it is just it's like life is just pounding you pounding you pounding you it pauses for a second and then pursues to pound you even further and i think fair to uh, say oscar isaac's breakout role and 
I didn't know until very recently that he himself actually sang uh, all of his songs in the film. At, yes. When I got to know that, I was like, "What can this man not do? He looks like a dream. He makes me question my sexuality." Mm. Now he's out there singing as well. This is just unfair. Yeah. I think he's on the the soundtrack is notoriously hard to find on streaming platforms for some reason. Um, yeah, it's soundtrack. all in bits and pieces. Like you have, yeah, you know, individual pieces. You don't have like you know the OST even Spotify. It's and i people have their additions of you know songs that sound like songs in this it's yeah. a very it's a jumbled mess on spotify it's oh man it, it it's very irritating because this is obviously pre spotify pre um, apple music i just yeah. downloaded the entire album and i i have the whole album somewhere on some hard disk and <laughs> i would play it in the in the car repeatedly on an older phone uh so i think the soundtrack features of course Os- oscar isaac is the prominent voice you have yeah. uh, marcus mumford as well there's justin timberlake cuz he's in the film this mm. was the point where justin timberlake was making good films now he stopped making movies altogether i wonder what happened there yeah. um someone so, gave him a pounding i guess <laughs> <laughs> i think justin timberlake is good i think he's okay dude yeah, yeah he's okay he's okay i think by the time of 2011 this is 2000 2013 justin timberlake has had like seven years of future sex love sounds which is possibly one of the best r&b albums out there so i think he's true, like, he true. made his money fair enough i'd pound him mm. okay same <laughs> so, so that was, was my double double like feature <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. my double header and uh, okay. abin you're up next okay uh i also jump in and and do like a uh, what is is this something called a triple header because i might just might as well end up doing a triple header Go for uh, it. Let's just yeah. I'm going to do Alexander Desplat's score, okay. and for three particular films, in between between the years 2009 to 2011. So let's begin in 2009. So Alexander Desplat ends up providing the score for this insane franchise that has just kicked off the year prior, and its sequel releases in 2009 to to <laughs> much pan critical panning. I'm I cannot believe we are discussing this movie. I cannot. It is, it. and I'm. I feel I, there is no other way out of discuss this film. Maybe uh, in, in in on an episode where we talk about garbage franchises garbage that movies, yeah. yeah, that made a shit ton of money, possibly. But I am talking about the Twilight Saga's New Moon, which of course is a film that Robert Pattinson made sure he completed got his money and went on to do starring starring Robert first. Pattinson and uh, Kristen Stewart's vapid face exactly like this was the point where we everyone had made Robert Pattinson a meme and the fact that we now look at him and think dude you're such a great actor what the hell were you thinking and yeah. but now he is he is making also, his harry potter money yeah yeah i know he like he he got he got his bag and he's in that too right like oh man rob robert pattinson is everywhere Yeah, let's just talk about New Moon, and I don't want to talk about it much because the film itself is a, a, a two-hour drag. It's irritating as hell, but the score for the film is excellent, uh, and it's Alexander Desplat. There's the one particular piece that is very haunting. Is is I think it's called the Meadow, and it's the prominent theme that plays throughout the film, and it's just a, a piano piece that plays with some very minimal orchestral backing. beautiful piece of music uh and think this film score which is alexander desplat is very good at at these small piano led uh scores and this is a great example of it uh if you 
want to go check it out, I highly recommend you check out the score. Uh, stay away from the movie. It's not very good. Actually, stay away from all of these. The most watchable film, funnily enough, out of the entire franchise is the first one because it has insane rewatch and um, garbage rewatch value. So Everyone in the movie needs to take laxatives, dude. They, they all look so you know, constipated. I, I definitely, I cannot comment on their bowel <laughs> movements. But everyone, I don't know what Taylor Lautner, the, the lead three in this film, right? Okay, let's, Taylor Lautner's career has gone a certain way. The other two, mm-hmm. uh, R. Pats and, and Kristen Stewart, are both really good actors, like really good actors who pick ah, very I mean, interesting okay. films. Pattinson, yes. Kristen Stewart, Patrick uh, Samin, jury still out. One Spencer does not a great filmography make, but please continue. I mean, if you watch it in Crimes of the Future, which is a film I I don't know why I decided to watch, but I was like, it, I did and it really messed with my head. It's a movie you will love. I will tell you, like you have to go watch okay. it. It's your kind of shit. Okay. It's David Cronenberg being David Cronenberg at his... Like to the max. So she's very good in that. And um, Spencer, of course, phenomenal performance in Spencer. But it's just, is it the, is it the choice? Is it the, is it the character? Is it Stephanie Myers' one note writing? I don't even know what it is anymore. But the film is terrible, but the score is wonderful, which makes you really question what it's doing in a movie like this. Great score. Mm-hmm. Go check it out. Um, and less said about New Moon, the better. The other film I want to talk about is an Oscar winner, Best for Best Picture, which is 2011's King's Speech. Uh, it is, a, again, a, a very minimal piano-led score. The, king, the main theme really uh, sticks out as it tells the story of uh, the king. Like, he's about to make this speech and the stammer is something he really struggles to overcome. He gets a teacher to mm-hmm. help him. Uh, and the score is light, bubbly, bouncing, Real, a real nice companion piece. You can play it uh, in your study or like wherever you are, you're sitting as you're doing some work. And it's a great companion piece to just um, keep some ambient uh, classical-ish music playing in the back. I am no professor of music. So if I'm saying terms to you, to someone who's musically trained, I, I and it sounds like absolute garbage, I apologize. But this is what I, I perceive this kind of music to be. It's great. Uh, definitely, definitely uh, go check it out. And the and third? I think you said you had it. The third? Yeah, yeah the, the third. This franchise is going to make a comeback sometime later on in the episode because I have to mention it. This franchise ha- has had several composers along the way, but Desplat ended up taking the reins for the last two. And I was wondering how can the, you not mention it? Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, 2000. I have to bring it up. So uh, I'm talking about Deathly Hallows Part 2, which yes. Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows. Uh, I don't particularly like Deathly Hallows Part 2. I feel like it could have been fleshed out a little more. I it's an extended cut think scene. It's a, exactly. It really is. Uh, it It's nonstop. It hurdles from start to finish. And I would have really liked a film that, that breathes. I think we've discussed on the podcast before yes. about how much I love Part 1 because it's a very Slow much burn. Yeah. yeah it's um, almost like a post apocalypse film exactly right and it's and i and i really like that about it and deathly allos part very 2 much, is very much yeah like fast and the furious with with wizards in it but let me but, guess the yes hmm. the one part where the movie sort of slows down takes a breath the part where the whole I, this is my interpretation i'm just trying to guess at how much i know okay. it, but tell me if i'm wrong huh. The part where the the scene where the movie takes a breather, takes a pause, where he uh-huh. is, he takes out the philosopher's stone, kisses it, and 
meets his parents the, the whole re- sequence resurrection there, the song is called sorry resurrection stone yeah for me that is my i mean it's the same motif yeah, yeah i am also yeah. getting goosebumps it's the same yeah. motif that's there at the start of the film but it reaches it's used most beautifully at least for me in that sequence and it really elevates how the movie takes a pause there are you also going to talk about that scene or did i get that wrong three pieces is what i'm going to talk oh about. my god <laughs> okay. yeah, so so the first the first piece is lily's theme which is lily's theme is the main theme oh the yeah, main yeah yeah motif yeah. that That's plays also through all of this this film has my favorite opening in a harry potter film ever and it has nothing it's basically hogwarts taken over by the death eaters and i think students, students are walking in classes and snape overseas yeah, and and snape overseas and then you and the and you can hear the voice of a lady who's singing the motif which is the exact same it, music in the resurrection stone scene if i'm exactly right. yeah yeah and then as it cuts to black and then the, the violin kicks in and the yeah. harry potter and the deathly hallows part 2 yeah. logo comes into play this is this is a, there's a moment right this is a moment in history because this is the last time at least around that time that you are sitting in a movie theater watching harry a harry potter film for the first time like this is it's done it's over 2007 was the last time you read the book 2011 was the last time you watched a harry potter film fantastic beast is whatever it is it seems like a cash grab and then rolling does do the same yeah less less said about don't put it this way no 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 i'm saying don't don't put put it this way it's just sad what? yeah i know it don't don't it put really it like you know the last time <laughs> it is just don't say it out like that man it's just sad <laughs> is like and and you and as you're sitting there the least team kicks in literally the hands on the back of my like the hair <laughs> yeah it is the hair on the back of my hands just starts standing up and you guys remember like, like the oh, same shit. thought in the theater for me it was when yeah. the movie ended i was like it's it's over like damn it's what done. now it's, it's it's done i mean these are it's a character you grew up with right which is why like um i mean now we're talking about we're recording you were what, 20 about, then 1920 it almost felt like the end of childhood for me it really does it, it kind of especially for those 90s kids harry potter has been a companion piece that has that you've grown up with right and and also we were, we were 1920 i think when it came out it almost yeah, me, around, felt like the end of childhood it's like yeah it's like, literally as you jump I'm into no longer your 20s yeah. yeah i'm we're both 91 born kids and so that literally yeah. that is We were twenty. We just turned twenty at Our that time. You were twenty. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. Teens. So it was a June release, uh, and yeah, yes. June, I was, I was June boy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, man, one of those. Okay, and it, <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I mean, <laughs> I'm recording this two days before um, Hogwarts Legacy drops, oh, and yeah. that has racked up an insane record in terms of pre-orders because. in spite of everything that rolling rolling has doubled down over the last couple of months on on her views but in spite of that people are just clambering to get to play this game mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. reviews for it have been outstanding and everyone like the opening blurb of most reviews has been like this is the harry potter game your childhood wished it had and that's enough like for me that was enough to sell me on the game i was like fine i have to pay play this and a lot is of people there on also, uh, pc Yeah, it is of course. All platforms. Oh, okay. I'm going to check it out on Steam then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is it's, it's a companion piece. Now, and I'll talk about this franchise later on, but Lily's theme definitely is is the is the main piece. The Resurrection Stone 
absolutely heartbreaking well done it, the the theme really soars in into center yeah. into center stage mm-hmm. there and the third piece which doesn't really get talked about much is, is snape's memory which harry visits in the pensive mm. and it's not obviously it's not as well expanded as it is in the books but in in the in the film it's it's a montage of what snape was going through and his relationship with lily and the music really helps carry that story well like it it acts as a great substitute for the pages and pages of uh, yeah. story that were written for it great pieces that i i still listen to um on on spotify or or apple music wherever i am uh, when i'm whenever i'm walking around let's those that's my three desk platforms i'm sure he has more but to me these are the ones that stand out the most i have to agree i mean i, I don't know about the new moon part i honestly yeah. haven't i mean i'm not shitting on the movie i think i just haven't mm. come across it but on the harry potter front completely agree Okay. So that was uh Desplat's trilogy. Uh I mm. quickly want to move on to the next film which is uh, 2014's Interstellar. I mm. don't really want to get into what people think about the movie. It is mm. uh, quite a divisive one. I I I remember when I first watched it I started out liking it a lot then with some thought I was like oh maybe I don't like this movie all that much. Uh there are a lot of plot holes and after some time i realized if you really buy into the theme of the film or the message the larger message that nolan's trying to give and not look at it like a scientific documentary the plot holes don't matter as much uh then so i i kind of i've settled on you know what it's not an accurate film it's not as accurate as nolan was doing a lot of pr around the time to be you know you, you've got kip thorn designing black holes for you and then a character in the mm-hmm. movie says love transcends space time uh that's a bit of that's it hypocritical but yeah. i understand the message that he's trying yeah. to put out there i understand the ambition ambitious scope of that message and mm. i can see why it did not land it was a risk he took and i would say it did not land but for the people who have been able to overlook those inaccuracies factual inaccuracies like i think i have at this point i have a soft spot for the film and the soundtrack uh. has a huge 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 part to play in that of course contentious statement i would say okay at, at least at the very least i can say this is my favorite hans zimmer uh, movie soundtrack score yeah score there i know there's dark knight mm. i know there's lion king i know there's gladiator i know there's pirates mm. of the caribbean but for me interstellar hits in a way that uh, all of those other soundtracks kind of don't there's no mm. time for caution which is the famous docking scene you know docking sequence uh, yeah. it's mm. impossible no it's uh, it's necessary and then mm. the whole it's it i mean the way it builds up hype suspense and your by the end of the scene your your literally you know into the screen it does mm. a brilliant job and of course the title title theme uh it has a a sort of gentle stay i don't know how to put it it transcends the scenes that it is used in that's that's how mm. i feel so these two I... soundtracks in particular for me just Yeah, I think the docking sequence is the highlight of this film. Yeah. I would am I have no problems with the the theme but that it portrays that love transcends space and time. I am somewhat of a hopeless romantic. I'm like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I I'm I'll take that leap of faith with you Christopher Nolan. Uh but my problems with the film are uh, primarily some uh, his sometimes very on the nose messaging. and that's an episode it's a whole other it is uh, uncharacteristically sappy for nolan i can i can agree exactly. with you on like, that exactly like i mean 
Matt Damon. But is it a bad thing or a good thing? I think is very. Yeah. Is, I would say okay. I mean, I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. Like Damon's character is called Doctor Man, and he tries to sabotage the entire thing. So because Man is the root cause of all evil, like very on the northern, wasn't a big fan of of it. um when it came out i remember being very annoyed with the film i think it is my least favorite nolan film uh what are you saying but... tenet exists man oh right of course how can i forget no i i take that back i take that back <laughs> tenet is, is is hot garbage there are there's there are a lot of people who like it but let's let's just leave it at that um let's stick to to hans zimmer uh, and i mm-hmm. want to quickly talk about a couple of his of his scores the line mm-hmm. you mentioned Oof, I mean, up there, right? Iconic soundtracks yeah, yeah. of all time. Interstellar aside, I, my what I said was in no way a slight. So I completely exactly. agree with you there. Please continue. It is, it is up there. Hakuna uh, Matata. You, you pick the song. Uh, it, it has a, a cultural legacy. The film does not, does not have the, the lasting impact it has without the music that accompanies. Very it. much, very much. Mm. So. I I don't want to say much on the Lion King. I feel like we've already spoken about it extensively mm-hmm. on the on the nineties mm-hmm. uh, Disney's nineties Renaissance episode. Uh, so let's just quickly move on from that because for the, in the interest of time, mm-hmm. the second is uh, I, I think it's not Hans Zimmer. It's Klaus Bedelt, but Hans Zimmer's protege, I believe he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Klaus Bedelt's score for uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, which is the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, okay, yeah, that is not Hans Zimmer. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. uh and but it is like his protege cuz hansima takes over for dead man's chest and right, uh, right. at world's end so a lot of the motifs carry over mm-hmm. but oh dude curse of the black pearl and i've mentioned this in the hot and cold franchises episode is lightning in a bottle like you have mm-hmm. found it's it's a theme park right like that it's at a the end stupid it's concept a fuck- on paper exactly but it works so bloody well especially the first yeah. film Johnny Depp kind of brings his character to life, which Disney saw and went, "Okay, I'm going to milk that till everyone's absolutely annoyed with us." Yeah. He won again an Oscar nomination for that role, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, which is uh, like in hindsight now, it's everyone's so sh- tired of that role. It's like, how did he get Oscar nomination? <laughs> But the score plays a wonderful accompanying part uh, to the to that film. He's a pirate. The Black Pearl are two pieces that stand out particularly. really captures that swashbuckling uh, vibe that the movie is going it's for is the perfect word yeah. yeah even the music is uh, just as swashbuckling as the visuals and the story as the visual exactly right it's it, without the film without the music the film sinks <laughs> yeah I, i'm going to keep those uh, uh, those puns coming puns going anyway yeah, yeah. you probably heard it it is it has been overplayed to death in 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 most musical concerts uh, so I won't say much on it either. Great pieces of music, highly, highly recommend. Uh, the Dark Knight and Batman Begins. I, I mean, some people might. I think this is Zimmer and James Newton Howard combining. You have the Dishe Basara sequence from Dark Knight Rises, which <laughs> I think is, is a standout. If, but if you were to go back to the film, especially the, especially Dark Knight. Dark Knight has this. very heat inspired theme the movie is basically heat has mm. a lot of heat heat inspired music uh, sirens um thudding drums like violence on steroids as 
Sid, a friend of ours who was on the podcast a few uh, episodes ago, would and I would lovingly refer to it as it was like the first instance of violence on steroids before Inception happened, and Angels and Demons was just the worst example of it, where Hansen mm-hmm. really jumped the shark. A, a, a great example of how it uh, of it working really well is the Dark Knight franchise. Uh, Zimmer is on top form there. The films are great. The score is also excellent. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, I think we've pretty much hit all the notes. Ha ha. Discography. So, with that, let me quickly move on to the next one. Uh, we're going to jump back a little in time here. In fact, I think my next yes. couple of films are a bit of a jump back in time. I think also a good segue for you to jump in with the guy that you thought you had forgotten about, but now you can include. Yes. But mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to quickly talk about 1972's The Godfather, which I, it just feels funny saying 1972's Godfather. It's The Godfather. I don't need to tell you which one. Yes, of course. So, yeah. uh, Nino Rota, if I remember correctly, was yes. in charge of the movie score. Uh, obviously, there is the the main Godfather theme, which I don't need to sing it. Everyone knows what the Godfather uh-huh. theme is. But uh, even apart from that, the the theme when uh, uh, the whole uh, montage of Michael meeting Apollonia and Michael being in Sicily, that whole montage, the whole uh, sequence at the start with the marriage, all of the music there. It's just, it, it's got this almost, it gives the movie uh, an otherworldly feel. You know, mm. I, to me, Godfather works because it's very clear this is not realistic. You're watching high theater of some form. The mm. entire movie gives that feel and I, and to me, music plays a big part. It's it's almost, it transcends the medium almost, you know, it, 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 when you watch the movie and you hear the song, music, you're like, okay, I, clearly I am meant to be watching something special here. This is not mm-hmm. just a movie. This is something beyond that. I don't know how to put it in words, but... It has music, a very ethereal yeah. feel about yes. it. Like, yes. it's like yes. you feel like you're watching something... Very timeless. That, exactly. Like the first time... You, everyone remembers the first time they watched The Godfather and just goes... Yeah. And like the movie ends and you go, fuck, that was good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that was the Godfather, and there is a cat presumably giving birth in your oven's house. I don't know what's happening. There's suddenly a cat just popped up, and it's like in case you guys can hear the howls in the background. That's what's happening. But uh, Abin, you wanted to discuss a certain composer, I believe. Yes, uh, I almost forgot to put him on my list, and that would be a criminal sin. I am going to talk about Ennio Morricone's uh, impact on on the world of today. Specifically across three films, the spaghetti western classics that are yes. uh, um, for a fistful of dollars, uh, a few dollars more, and the good, bad, and the ugly, otherwise known as the man with no name uh, trilogy. Now, there are pieces across all three films that really stand out. But for me, my personal favorite is from uh, for a few um, for a few dollars more, which is the opening. Uh, no, that's from uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Good, Bad, and Ugly. Oh, okay. more is, is the is the whistling theme that that plays in between. Uh, that just whistle before it, the whistle it. it goes. Ah, uh, okay. But it is like it, when you when you listen to it, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, that is my personal favorite, but it's not the one that has had the cultural impact. Uh, yeah, I think that would be excessive of gold. Yeah, 
Ecstasy of Gold is this epic piece of music that <laughs> that turns any like dull, dull moment into something extraordinary. It plays wonderfully in the film. It also plays wonderfully as a standalone listen. And so much so that I think now more than it so being associated with the good bad and the ugly, uh it is associated with Metallica because Metallica open up their concerts with the ecstasy of gold and have been for the last 30 40 years so it is like hearing the crowd sing along to uh the notes of ecstasy of gold before like metallica comes in in all their thrash glory is a a great way to start a concert like that is the one piece of music that has not left their set list amongst they always um, open with it right yeah every single time uh, ecstasy of gold the good bad and the ugly theme uh which was hilariously remade uh for in a sanjay kapoor movie called i think bekabu like i, I mean, mean what can i say about it guts to the guy i don't know who the, i'm guessing anu malik it usually is anu malik but possibly yeah definitely kudos to the guy who decided to rip that off i mean you should know full well even somebody no, i think you know chatarpur has heard this theme dude what are you doing no i think they, they fully into it because it's sanjay kapoor is on a horse he's got the the hat oh, okay. he's like cool, the cool. leader it like it's, it's very much tongue in cheek but yeah that is I, i mean i don't want to say much on much more on anya morricone you know the three pieces i'm talking about everyone yes. has heard the good bad and the ugly theme my sister who's never even heard of anya morricone knows the good bad and the ugly theme uh so that's how iconic uh, it is True. so not much more i want to see on it ps anya morricone also scored uh... cinema paradiso which we also He loved. did. Yeah. Great. So, uh, I love man, the main theme cinema paradiso. Yeah. Man's a living not a living legend right now but yeah he's a legend. Legend. Uh, <laughs> wow. Sorry to end on that sudden bummer note. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's on. Let's quick, quickly move on. Quickly move on. Yeah yeah yeah. So the next uh, the next album so to speak uh movie soundtrack that I want to talk about is arguably objectively the greatest movie soundtrack a uh, mm. bunch of songs created by a musical duo specifically for the film i'm talking about 1967's the graduate which had yes. simon and garfunkel uh, compose all of their songs it had sounds of silence it had mrs robinson it had uh, april come she will it had mm. scarborough fair now if simon and garfunkel had just released this album as you know just a musical album it would have any way you know been one of the all time great albums these guys just casually wrote these songs for the movie and like le lo bhai chalo enjoy whether you remember the movie or not you're going to hum these songs yeah i mean the graduate score mrs robert oh, what can i say about it exactly i was the, i just had the same thought i'm like what can we even say about it everyone knows how great it is we're not going to really well, add to the I'm a, conversation I'm about it criti- yeah i'm not a music critic like that for me like that, that's insane Mrs Robinson Sound of Silence April Come She Will Holy yeah, Star of Era It's just like an album of bangers dude one after the other don't stop coming and they don't stop coming stop coming <laughs> <laughs> Oh another piece of iconic soundtracks I was yeah. just listening to it uh but uh I was like before we start recording this episode funny you mentioned it literally <laughs> you not I was watching the music video for it which uh, is why we are making uh, this podcast together I mean Yes I see <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything more you want to add on the graduate? I don't think on? we have anything more to add. Just in case you haven't heard it, what rock have you been under? And just go listen to it right away. Yes. 
Okay, I am going to like this is the most I'm I'm going to just quickly give a, a shout out to Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross for the oh, social yeah. network. Absolutely. Uh Hancock's Bruce one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. Uh Yeah, individual pieces right up individual there. Individual pieces. That film runs on ambient electronic music and you don't really notice it until after the film is over and you're just like, "Oh, wow, the music music for the film is so good." Yeah. I don't I feel like we do this often we don't talk about the social network as much because there is a full episode exclusively on the social network that you can go check out and yeah. i go into much more detail about and you go into much more detail about trent reznor and atticus ross yes. uh, and their influence on the film so we just let's just shout them out here you have to go um, check out the album i don't think it it's not it's not something that you would like bop to in the car or whatever but for those quiet um somber days where you're just like thinking uh, it's, it's also great, great to piece. work slash study too like it's great to have playing in the back like for yeah. for and for a, a certain set of moods okay so i've shouted that out i also want to shout out studio ghibli's uh, entire um discography of music <laughs> particularly grave of the fireflies because that the 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 theme the main theme from the film is an absolute heartbreaker it's only second to when when she loved me uh because it keeps playing on repeat throughout the film and when it finally plays towards the end of the movie you are all but a, a hollowed husk of a person uh having sat through whatever that experience was i don't get um, why it's the, such a lighthearted movie <laughs> yeah, yeah of course yeah yeah you definitely go watch like um great comedy nice nice date night movie <laughs> Yeah, lovely date night movie. It'll really bring you together. <laughs> that's that. That's all I'll say. Um, Joe Hisashi's Mononoke theme is also um, another standout. I really like it. Uh, Totoro is um, another iconic piece of music by Joe Hisashi. Go check it out. Uh, these there's I like like Rohit mentioned a few minutes earlier. Not much I, we can possibly say. They're really good. They're really good pieces of music and. <laughs> for the interest of time i kind of uh, kind of want us to keep speeding along because i have like one final entry left after all of this rather two mm-hmm. final entries but uh, i'll come to that after you're done with yours perfect i have three so we have great alternation going on perfect beautiful mm-hmm. uh, so the next movie i want to talk about is 2002's 8 mile which was mm-hmm. eminem's star making vehicle which I mean, he never made another movie after that i think uh, this was eminem I think he had the movie was loosely based on his life. He stars in it. He's written the music, obviously the songs for it. Um, the movie is okay. I mean, it's it's fine. the The story is not really something that's path breaking. It may be from Eminem's life, but maybe his life is a cliche because you've seen those stories in movies before. Uh, mm. In case uh, here you haven't seen Eight Mile, but you've seen Gully Boy, it's basically the same thing. Literally yeah. the same thing. more or less but uh, the music the music i mean you knew eminem was going to bring it right this was his passion mm. project and i think it, it's almost like he'd saved the best for uh, the film mm. there's obviously lose yourself and uh, it's a testament to the to how awesome the song is and maybe to how much eminem i heard growing up i can still sing the song verbatim from memory Uh, I think it's been ten odd years since I actually heard the song, but I still I just mm. know the song. It's it's in my muscle memory at this point, I think. So, 
I mean, inarguably probably the greatest rap song ever. But yeah. the other song I want to call attention to that the entire soundtrack is full of amazing songs. Uh, mm. There's a song called Rabbit Run in mm. in the soundtrack. For those of you mm-hmm. who have not heard it, I just want to give a shout out to that song because that song is like just pump. It's pure pump. Mm. It is an insane song. Goes very hard. Okay, I I don't remember it, uh, but there's not much I can add to it. Uh, except that <laughs> i think two, this is what 2002 right so this is at peak of his powers mnm yep, um, yep. controversial says a bunch of shit rhythm and flow that nobody ex- saw coming especially from a white boy yeah. um, when an oscar for lose yourself also one and, just like yeah, what the hell yeah he didn't sh- yeah lose yourself is a great song it is yeah. a great song it it has even your mother has heard that song Yeah. <laughs> it it's it's that it's been overplayed uh, it kind of went away for a bit but then came back again um, mm-hmm. and Eminem performed recently at the Oscars and like the whole audience was losing their shit. It is definitely the showpiece of the film but like you mentioned there are several other great tracks on there I wouldn't know but check out Run Rabbit check out Rabbit Run The 8 Miles title track is also really good and Rabbit mm-hmm. Run these are two songs top of my head but the entire soundtrack is just I mean just download the soundtrack hit the gym played once mm. you'll have an amazing workout if nothing else okay all right okay let's move on uh i will i spend a few minutes talking about the harry potter franchise again but i will talk about john williams's contribution now john williams fucking hell uh we have to mention star wars because we forgot <laughs> holy uh, shit we forgot john williams <laughs> Forgotten John Williams. <laughs> no, I mean, there is not much to say on John Williams. Like there are, there's Star Wars, the Imperial March, uh, and everything. Uh, this main Star Wars theme, Leia's theme. Like these are. This is the history of the movie soundtrack, right? Like right here, John Williams is littered through it all. Yeah. You have that. You have yeah, Star Wars, uh, Indiana Jones, Star, Indiana Jones, E.T. Uh, Jaws, Jaws, um, <laughs> Schindler's List, Schindler's List. Do we need to keep going? <laughs> we really don't. And now we're going to come to Harry Potter. Now, if you thought by 2001 John Williams had lost it, you were clearly mistaken. The film, <laughs> especially the the opening Harry Potter theme. How do you capture magic in music? It is the Harry Potter theme. Young, the the youthful. it's the youthful side of magic it's not just magic you know it's that young bubbly excited looking forward to things sort of magic it's yeah i know i know what you're saying whenever i listen to it 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 uplifts me it the the tagline for the first film is let the magic begin and it begins with like that hint like it opens on trivet drive right <laughs> and you can hear the, the the soundtrack playing in the back as <laughs> an owl burst on it I I just had this image in my mind you know that uh, Michael Jordan meme it's like I can see John yeah. Williams face I saw the tagline it said let the magic begin and I took that personally <laughs> <laughs> Oh man uh, he is phenomenal the Harry Potter theme is is wonderful uh Ollivander's theme Dagon Alley uh, the mirror of Verizad the forbidden forest the quidditch uh the quidditch match 
Oh man, the movie gets better each time I think about it. I mean, the CG has not aged well. Emma Watson is horribly overacting, but there's so much about that's good about the first film. I'm just yeah. like, wow, and he follows it up with Chamber of Secrets, which is slightly more serious given the the nature of the of the plot. But it is truly in the third film where he shines, and this is John Williams's last score. I think just went on to do other things after this. Prisoner of Azkaban score is my one of my favorite pieces of uh, original music to listen to the entire album back to front the standouts include uh, a window to the past which more or less the, is the soundtrack piece to my life i i love that soundtrack it it's just a it's a it's a recorder piece that plays over a, a harp and it really captures you know that that interesting part of growing up where you're just like, yeah. where you realize you're not completely a child anymore but neither are you a full adult you're somewhere yeah. in between and you're just trying to grapple with all these emotions that are coming your way which really is what Prisoner of Azkaban is about like it's about the kids growing True. up they're very much children in the first two but now they're they're teenagers and with it comes a lot of change and it's a very moody film very moody film and the soundtrack is a great accompaniment accompanying piece to it uh, i must have said that a hundred times in this episode <laughs> Uh, Secrets of the Castle is another piece that really stands out. Buckbeak's flight really captures the joy of flying. I'm looking forward to it in the in the game <laughs> that's coming out soon. Uh, but as he's flying through um, um, through the Hogwarts grounds and on and on top of the lake, it really captures uh, the joy that he's feeling. The Dementors theme has this real horror-like tone to it. I, John Williams is is the goat. He is the greatest of all time. There is nobody yeah. I don't would, think there's a. I can wax lyrical about him for another hour. I would not do justice to him. So I'm going to stop yeah. there. Prisoner <laughs> of Azkaban is my favorite. I mean, is my favorite album in the Harry Potter universe. It is. It got nominated for an Oscar as well, right? Rightly so, but didn't win. Hmm. Uh, definitely, definitely go check it out if you haven't. Yeah, I mean, I am. I am now going to follow John Williams with the. Uh, now in hindsight this feels like a bit of a step down this is like the montage of up followed by the movie but uh, uh-huh. uh, i i want to quick spend a quick second on uh, 2018's black panther scored by ludwig goransson and the reason i wanted to uh, okay so there's two reasons why i want to talk about this score one is i remember watching the movie in the theater i i admit at that point i probably had bought into a little bit of the hype around the movie and the fact that you know this this showed Uh, the african experience in a way that no other movie had done and hmm. but i i i i did feel that when i was watching the movie the the you know the first challenge scene that tachala has with uh, mbaku uh, mbaku right yeah challenging yeah. him and that whole sequence i was like wow you know i have never seen representation like this on screen for the african peoples ever I don't know mm, yes. how accurate it is but whatever I see seems very authentic and it's it's very mm. you know it's a great leap forward and the music also has very 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 much a part of it it plays a big role on you know it it it's got very african elements and I was mighty surprised when I uh, found out that you know it was that it was Ludwig van Beethoven yeah Ludwig van yeah. Beethoven who had scored it there's this podcast called Song Exploder for those mm. of you who haven't heard I don't know if I've mentioned it on this podcast before it's an ex- it's a podcast where artists come and explain uh, their process behind specific songs okay. and uh, they talk about how they constructed a specific piece 
could be a song could be a, a composition anything hmm. and then at the end of the episode the song is played again and now when you listen to this song with the context of you know how the artist worked on it honestly all of the episodes of that podcast where i've heard that i've heard about a certain piece now every time i listen to that song anywhere else it's like i you listen you have a new found appreciation for that music that never goes away and there's an episode that ludwig goransson does about uh michael b jordan's character killmonger's team killmonger's team right mm. and he mm-hmm. talks about the lens he went to he went to africa he met a, a local flautist i think in mali or somewhere and mm-hmm. uh, local legend uh, so goransson met spent a day with him in a room and they just jammed and came up with what was essentially killmonger's team Hmm. and i was like the that episode just blew me away i was like wow i mean it 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 it's not like he just sat in a studio somewhere in in europe and just you know cooked this together this guy really went into the trenches hmm. and for that maybe out of you know born out of that appreciation i really feel it's a great soundtrack yeah i mean uh not much to add there i think possibly the best soundtrack in the mcu yeah and hands down hands down without i mean the one thing that you could possibly hat tip your um, to is is and the, to is not the, even mention the kendrick lamar angle we've not even spoken yes, about it yes of course kendrick lamar i think uh, um all, who's the, who's the is it sza who does uh, yes, all the stuff yes. yeah yes so we're not even going near it like in terms of yeah. that's the thing with, with rank ogler right? like he really brought it in this film I mean, yep. not like it as much as everybody does, and like I mentioned, my reasons behind it—the the, yes. pure modification of it. Uh, but in terms of what it brings to the table, is very original and uh, very unique. Something you haven't seen in any of any superhero film ever, um, or even other films for that matter. Nobody really represents African culture. In I haven't seen cinema. representation like this yeah. Yeah. Um, as well as it is represented in, in Black Panther. um so not much to say i mean shout out to portals from end game as a in the same universe it mm-hmm. really alan silvestri really captures the epicness of that final throwdown uh in end game and that's the only <laughs> other piece of information i will add to uh, uh to your to your suggestion yeah and i think we're down to your last one now Uh yes, my last one. And uh I've mentioned one franchise. I'm sorry, I'm a bit of a franchise whore. I have to mention the other. Um I liked how it shows work in Edward. I I quite like what he brings. He brings this this Oh god damn. Team. We're going to talk about it's going to be a long night now. Yeah, Ben, continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I promised to like to not uh, to to keep this brief as much as possible. Okay. Yeah, but as he's, I, I like the Edward score, but to me, with the John Williams, with the Ennio Morricones, with all of that set to base, and I know I may, it may be sacrilege to some, the music written specifically for three Lord of the Rings films are the best <laughs> pieces of music for a film that I personally have ever listened to. The Fellowship of the Ring opens with um, this. melancholic team explaining the history of of middle earth and what happened and you're this this it's like uh, you're cast into this world where things are dark dreary 
and you're taken through the history of the ring and suddenly you're in this beautiful meadow in the shire and concerning hobbits kicks in which is this joyful little theme which introduces the hobbits as as a people and then you incorporate like the the darkness that is uh that is growing in 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 mordor and to include those motifs in in the theme to basically create a, a universe of music that is so unique is commendable it's almost herculean the ost for the third film return of the king is my favorite followed by made be in the first film by by anya the the third films uh, into the west by annie lennox it's an absolutely heartbreaking uh, song is written for a director that um, peter jackson was mentoring who died uh, of cancer while the film was being shot so it's it's a big tribute to him but this is a film that i will pay top dollar to go watch live in orchestra and that for me is you must should probably indicate to you as to how much i love it um specifically the breaking of the fellowship where frodo decides to go to mordor on his own it's a 7 to 8 minute piece of music it brings me to tears 8 out of 10 times that i listen to it it is absolutely pulls at your heartstrings there's a wonderful tenor piece that accompanies it towards the end by the small little kid called edward ross so good it is it really captures a world that had never been brought to life in the big screen uh and the amount of work that was gone into that has gone into making this soundtrack was the uh the theme for the urukai the helm's deep theme the battle of pelennor fields the nazgul's theme um the the horn of gondor that grows that begins as a horn in the first film and becomes a full-fledged orchestra piece by the third dude i i if i if you let me talk i can go on for another two hours i'm not going to um up there my uh, my crowning glory in terms of movie soundtracks everything in the elotear franchise i okay no wait i need to i need to talk about one more thing because i listened to it the other day in preparation for this episode and i have to mention it so the last march of the ends in the second in the second film gives you goosebumps every single time you listen to it and it's a and the, i saw a wonderful comment below the video where um someone mentioned this truly encapsulates this entire scene truly encapsulates uh, what nature is like calm in one moment and then cold blinding fury in the next because that's kind of what happens the ends a tree a tree bird stumbles onto a, a patch where all the trees have been cut and then he rallies the ends to charge on isengard and it's a really epic moment in the film that's it yeah i'm done now <laughs> <laughs> okay so i don't think i have anything specific to add I don't disagree that it's a great soundtrack my opinions about the movie aside it is a great soundtrack yes. I don't mm-hmm. have anywhere near the amount of detail to get into uh, as you just did so I don't want to study that okay quickly uh, my last film I want to talk about 2016's La La Land Yes. in previous episodes i'm not particularly a fan of musicals as a genre but something about this movie really uh makes me love it i think it's it's the you know the bittersweet love story obviously but the music has a big 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 part to play here 
Damien Chazelle obviously comes from a musical background and therefore his movies have a very strong musical component. Whiplash mm. was pretty much about a musician. La La Land mm. is about a musician and an aspiring actress. So mm. again, it's, it's got that, you know, the movie is set in current times, but the soundtrack almost transports you back to a, an older, you know, it harkens back to classical golden Hollywood mm. It's yeah. got that 50s to 60s sort of feel and um, hmm. it's just beautiful. Again, I don't know how what how much I can talk about it. It's just beautiful. It's an emotion. I like quite see I I'm a big fan of musicals. Um I like West Side Story. Uh Maria is a particular standout in for me in, in that movie. Uh Singing in the Rain is another and I really like La La Land when I watched it. I still do like it to this day. Uh Mia and Sebastian's theme is a standout for me in this film. I mean it's uh, a stars and, and yeah. Serial stars yes is the is the is the piece that was obviously most popularly associated with it um but I love the audition uh, song also, that Emma Stone sings also. towards the end uh I I like the the another day of sun theme the most another day of sun yeah. is of course it's it's up there uh and I think it carries a bit of that film bit of that piece of music carries into the engagement yes. Yes. uh as well so i it, it's a sound it's it's an album i have listened to as a standalone several times Absolutely. and i really like um, i i really like uh, like that album i think justin hurwitz right um justin his long time his long time collaborator yes i'm yes. interested to see what uh, interested to see what he's done with babylon so i'm looking forward to that uh, mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. we finish recording this episode Uh, yeah, not so much that, to add. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we end, I just realized there are a couple of composers per se that I hadn't. Okay. I, I just wanted to give it a shout out. I don't want to spend too much time on it. One is uh, Gustavo Santaolalla. He's he has scored mm. films like Babel. I think he works quite often with Cuaron. I think Children of Men mm. was also Gustavo Santaolalla, if I remember correctly. Mm. He has this sort of you know fast picking acoustic, yeah, acoustic guitar style, which is. uh you know very characteristic i am strongly resisting the temptation to talk about the last of us i know we yes. both have a lot of thoughts about it we will mm. do a separate episode on it maybe after the mm. whole season is over and there's this yeah so much i played the it. game i played the game over the last couple you of you have even weeks, more context so. yes yes yeah. mm-hmm. i'm i'm too much of a chicken shit to play a, a tense game like that but uh, anyway so that that that's okay. I'll play it with you don't worry you come yes <laughs> hold my hand and and, and I'll, I'll hold your hand yes uh so there's him and i also want to quickly mention cristobal tapia devir uh i first mm-hmm. came across him when i watched the the uk version of the utopia tv show for those of you mm-hmm. who don't know i don't think it's there on any streaming platform you'll have to download it but it is a cult show i mean uh, the the visuals of the show the oversaturated colors the the themes the violence the the characters the interactions that show is something else and just Tapia Devi's soundtrack adds so much to that show. Obviously, he's become a lot more famous now because of White Lotus. That's where everyone yeah. probably has come across his music. <laughs> And uh, he has this just you know like idiosyncratic. He makes weird sounds work together in a way that I have not heard any composer out there uh, make it work. Okay. Uh, a very very way out there composer that I really love. Hmm. So yeah, that. Oh, I'm tired. That is that. Yeah, I am tired. I feel like this episode will need a part two at some point. We will get back to it because 
John Barry, we haven't visited. We haven't visited half of Williams's work. Uh, we've not even touched on Bond, and that's God. a whole other episode. Of, <laughs> a whole other episode altogether. Sorry, guys. There's going to be a part two. And now all the stuff I Did, missed. Did you say you were a franchise whore? I am a franchise whore. <laughs> I'm. I'm going to like actively try to not put up put up franchises in the in in part two. Don't hold me to that, but it, I, I'll try my best. But that's that. Uh, we'll see you on next week's episode. Until then, uh, you take care uh, and stay safe. We'll see you soon. Bye bye. So they opened their big mouths, and now came talk, talk, talk. <laughs>